listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Well, I do want to say hey to everybody joining us online. Glad that you're with us and, of course, our other campuses. Some of you know this, some of you don't, but within two, three weeks at the most, we will be moving into our Delton campus. Is that cool or what? Yay on that. So many people have worked so hard on that. Very exciting. Uh, I want to just start this weekend's talk by kind of talking to you personally for just a moment, if I could. Um, Over the last month or so, many of our church family have come to me and personally expressed to me their their love and their support uh, because of some staffing changes that have happened at TVC. It's nothing that is wrecking our church or doing great damage, but Many of you know that this stuff has been difficult for me personally. It's been pretty stressful and difficult for me personally. And um, it's just interesting to me because I, I wonder sometimes if you realize the difference that you make when you give encouraging words to people when they're struggling. So it, it, it's, I, I mean, I've already had this this weekend multiple times in the service last night and already before service this morning. But I'll be, I, this, is, this is how I've had plenty of days like this. It's like you're going through the day and on the inside, I think most of you will relate to what I'm talking about. On the inside, you're kind of like this. Oh, my life sucks. It's so hard. Or whatever. You're, you're struggling with whatever's on the inside. On the outside, you're like, I got this. Everything's just fine. I got this. You know, and how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How you doing? You know, and you're shaking hands and doing all that. But inside, you're kind of like a mess. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Are you all just always perfect? Okay, yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of how it works. And so I'll be going through my day. I mean, I'm like walking around, you know, and like people would, would think everything's just great. But then somebody will come up and they'll just put their hand on my shoulder. Or they'll put their arm around me. Or they'll just say some words or send me a text or an email or something with words of encouragement, just words of love, words of, of value. And you just, I wonder sometimes if you understand how powerful that is. Because it's like I'm walking on the inside like this, you know, and it's suddenly it's like the clouds part and there's the sun and, and, it's, and it's beautiful and my, my spirit lifts and, and I lift my head up and I have a, a fresh determination to go through the day. And here's the funny part, because it's crazy, I don't even understand it. Because, you know, and many of you have done this, hundreds and hundreds of you have done this, and you didn't fix a darn thing, all right? Let's just be clear on that. You didn't make it better, but something in your words... Something in the fact that you brought encouragement has this profound impact on me. And that is the power of words. I mean, it's actually quite remarkable how it can, how it can influence your, your, your life and other people's lives. Your words. Words. And so I just want to say, I mean, this is just me. I just want to say to our church family, thank you for your love and your encouragement. I've been doing this now since we started the church, which this coming September will be 40 years, and I've never felt more love than I do right now in this church. It's really, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. I feel tired, but I feel loved. How's that? And it's very exciting to me. And I know some of you are like, what's he talking about? What happened? You know, is some, listen, it's a speed bump in the scheme of life. It's not that big of a deal. And I want to be clear on that. But I know that also some of you are saying, okay, well, now we've had some staffing changes, Jeff, at TVC, and and it's been over a month now, so so what's the plan? Well, I can either give you the uh, strategic steps, or I can give you the simple form, and they're both going to be the same thing. And that is, I don't know. (laughs) And you think I'm joking. I'm not. I, I, I don't know. Here's what I know. 
Here's what I know that the leadership of this church believes. Here's what I know that our church family believes on the whole, and this is what I believe passionately, is that more than anything else, what I need is to hear from God. Would any of you agree with that? Because when you hear from God, that changes everything. That's what this series that we began last weekend called Red Letter Days, where we're talking about the words of Jesus, which in many Bibles are written in red, those words hold such power. In fact, we talked about it last weekend that, that there, Jesus said, my words, the words I speak to you, are they're, they're full of the Spirit and life. Those words hold enormous power. And if you want to hear, if you want to fix something, if you want to deal with something, you want to hear from God. And I think, I, I mean, this is just me, but I think sometimes, you know, and some of you are like me, this is my MO. When something breaks... I don't stop and go, well, let me think about this. I go, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to do it right now. Anybody like me in that? It's like, you know, I get out a piece of paper and I put the pros and cons and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it happen and I just dive right in. And often what happens is, is I find that I will rush ahead of God because I'm trying to fix it instead of saying, what are you up to? But there's such power when you hear God's voice because those words are full of the Spirit, they're full of life, and that's really what we need to hear. And I think sometimes, I think this is why Scripture has multiple places where you'll see verses like this one in Psalm 46.10. He's just saying, God is just speaking, he's just saying, okay, just be still. I, I kind of read this one like this, he's like going, stop it. Just stop for a minute. Just hold on, take a breath here, be still, and know this truth. I am God still And you are not still. And he reminds us of what really matters, of what's really important. That what we need to hear is not our voice or our reason, because how often have we screwed up? Like on a regular basis. Come on, right? But we need to hear his voice because he doesn't. And he's telling us, I think in effect, just just chill. Because he'll come through if we won't rush past him. If we'll just relax and be where he's at. There's something amazing about being where God is at and speaking that changes everything in you. The psalmist, I think, captured it so beautifully. I love this verse. I was thinking about it this last week. Better is one day in your courts. In other words, one day in connection with you. Then a thousand, then years elsewhere. I may be going through my days and I'm trying to do good and I'm trying to make everything happen, but better is one day, just one day, no matter how much we think we can get things set up and fixed and figured out, one connection with God is better than a thousand years of trying to do it ourselves. Hearing his voice is what matters. And my biggest prayer these days, really, this is it, my biggest prayer these days, I pray a lot I'll be honest with you, I do, but my, my, my ongoing, almost like a mantra, is just three words. It's just, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Because when He shows up, when He's there, that changes everything. Amen, church? And that's what we want, is we want to hear from God. That's, that's what really makes the difference. It's, it's when He shows up, when we're, when we're aware of Him and we're going in the direction He's going in, that's when the Red Sea gets parted. That's when miracles start to happen. You know, recently, some of, uh, we just graduated a group of interns that had been with us for uh, eight months or so. I can't remember how long exactly it was, but uh, it was the day of their graduation, I think, and I had, uh, was talking with a couple of them over at our Hastings campus here in the office hallway, one of the hallways. There's a kind of a, a graphic illustration of where TVC has come over these 40 years that we've been in existence, building-wise. 
So uh, we were looking at those, and they were asking about them. And I thought, some of you probably have no idea what this church has, has come through building-wise, and I thought it might just be an interesting thing for you to see this. So first picture you would see on the wall, this is the first place we actually met. And this, is, this was a Grange Hall where farmers played cards, and it had no indoor plumbing. This was the place we met for a year, two years. I can't remember how long it was. And uh, it actually did not have indoor plumbing. It did have attached outhouses. It had a one-holer, and it had a two-holer. And I always wondered, who uses the two-holers? Is that like newlyweds? I mean, come on. I never understood a two-holer, unless maybe, you know, it's your kid with you or whatever. I just, it's, I just never got it. And we were in this building, and it was just crazy. It was old and musty and everything. And then we moved into great prosperity. This has since been torn down, but this was an elementary school in the Hastings School System called Algonquin School that had stopped being used. And we moved in there, and it was like prosperity for us because we moved up to actual indoor plumbing at that point. Nine toilets and a urinal. It was like, wow, we got everything now, you know. And then we moved from there, and this is the building that you are currently in, the property that you're currently on. Now, Now, this is what it looked like at the very start when we first bought it. Get a feel for it. It was about 5,000 square feet, and we felt like we'd moved into heaven. We were out in the middle of nowhere, but we thought it was the most amazing thing. And then, of course, over the years, all this campus is, the Hastings campus, is just one big addition. And this is about roughly 20 years ago, I would say. And you can see that we built the, the auditorium that you're sitting in now. On At that time, we didn't have the gym and a lot of the other stuff that we have now, but, but this was about 20 years ago. I will tell you, when this was built, some of you know this, but when this was being built... Actually, we had a good uh, windy night one night, and it hadn't been built exactly right. And I don't want you to be nervous. I, I really want you to relax, okay? You'd be dead if you were sitting in there when that happened, but uh, just relax. It's all right now. But that's, that's kinda, that kind of gives you a feel of what it looked like, you know, the, 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 the stuff that we went through. And it's, it's kind of actually, in a way, to me, it's amazing. And one, one of the interns was looking at me, and he just said, uh, he looked at me, he said, you know, he's, he's pointing down at the Grange. He said, when you were like, did you ever think, you know, and he's pointing at the other end, did you ever think that it would become, and I knew what he was saying, a church with thousands of people and, and now, you know, multi-site with three separate campuses that the church owns that we don't owe money on. Did you ever think that you'd be there? And the answer to that one was really simple. It was like, no. I had no idea that TVC would become what God has done in it over these decades. But I'll tell you, I believe that that's the kind of thing that God can do, doesn't always do, but God can do when we don't jump ahead of him, when we just stay in connection with him. It's like I, I've said this for years, and I think this is so important to understand, that when you, when you hear his voice, when you stay connected, bottom line is what he does for us is he helps us. God helps us. And I know some of you are facing things right now that you feel are overwhelming in your life. You feel like they're stressful and you're, you don't know what you're going to do and you've got all these struggles. But if you could just hear this, God, he, he actually, he does, he helps us. In fact, that's basically what I think God does. You know, sometimes people say, what is it that Jesus did 2,000 years ago that has had such an impact that it's, it's affecting the lives of countless people even 2,000 years later? What is it that he did? In fact, if you weren't here last weekend, you may want to hear that talk. Go online and listen to it because we started this series and talked about that very thing. But if I were to, if, if, if I had to try to sum up what did Jesus do day after day during the three years of his ministry that we are, have primarily recorded in the Gospels, I would say it was like just this, he helped people. He helped people. 
That's what, of course, he taught a lot, and his words helped people. But he actually just, you take a day in the life of Jesus, just a typical day, and someone would come and say, you know, my daughter's dying, or, or this thing is happening, or whatever it is, and he'd go, okay. And then, I mean, he didn't check his calendar and go, let me pull my smartphone out a minute and see what I, I got next Tuesday, maybe. Could you bring them at 2 o'clock, you know? He just, he would just help people. And that's what he did. And then while he's going to help this person, somebody comes from over here and says, hey, can you help me with this thing? And he'd go, all right, we'll get to this one in a minute. Come on, I'll go here. And he'd do this thing, and then he'd come back, and he'd do it. And that was his day after day after day, is that that's what God did, is that he helped people. And if, 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 if you understand this, this is so important to get, because that's what God does. Sometimes I think we get so wrapped up, and we think God's not there, he's not around. But he is. And he's always helping us. These are Jesus' own words. A lot of you know John 3.16. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he what? That he gave, that he came, that he helped people. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He gave, he gave. And those of us who are the followers of Christ, I know some of you, you're not sure where you're at with Christianity. You don't know if you really believe that Jesus is the son of God and all that. I get that. I respect that. But for those of us who would say God is our Leader, we believe in him. We know he's real. We would say that he's still doing that today. He still works miracles today. Amen, anybody? He still works in our lives. He still speaks to us. He still comes to us. He still is present by his spirit in our lives these days. Even even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when you say, I ask you to help and you ain't done nothing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, let me just ask a question. How many of you have said, there have been times when I prayed and it felt like God either didn't hear me or ignored me and did not come through. Would you just lift your hand, please, and be honest about it? I think everybody has felt that. In fact, I would tell you some of the greatest experiences in my life that have been most meaningful me, to me were times when I felt like God had completely ignored me and was not there, and it was only later when I looked back in retrospect that I realized that God had not only been there, he'd been helping me in the midst of it. And I'd been praying that one thing would happen, but he was smart enough to know that what I was praying was dumb. You think about that. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing. You realize you sound dumb to God sometimes. And he's like, okay, I ain't coming through on that one because that's just stupid right there. But it makes sense to us then, and it's only when we are able to look back on it sometimes that we realize, thank God he didn't answer that prayer. He was actually there with me working in my life. And I never saw him, and I never felt him, and I never thought he was around. But he was there helping me. I'm telling you, man, this is so true. I, recently I was hanging out with a very good friend, probably my best male friend, and we were having dinner together up in Grand Rapids, and we were talking, and I was kind of pouring my heart out about how I was struggling, you know. And he looked at me and he said, this is a good thing. And I wasn't in a very good mood at that point. <laughs> and I loved this guy, but I wanted to reach across the table, pull him over, and punch his face until it was bloody. Should I have not said that in church? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, you all know what I'm talking about? I was like so angry. It's like, you're telling me this is a good thing? Are you crazy? But he was right, because here's the deal. God says he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what it is that's happening in your life, God will work it for good, so it's a good thing even when it looks dark. Come on now. 
And he was right, and I haven't told him that yet. I just told him I thought he was crazy. But then this is a thing that Jesus does, see. For his followers, for those of us who choose to follow him, he takes it yet another step, and this is what I want you to get. He not only says, now come follow me, come follow me. He says, come follow me, and, and, I want you to do what I'm doing. I want you to help people. I want you to be a person who bases your life around how you serve and help others. Not what you can get, not how much you can acquire. I want you to spend your life based around, I want you to help people. Give yourself away. And in doing that, you will find the fulfillment of that which you spend so much time trying to buy your way into and the happiness you're looking for in the next experience. You will find it. And I understand that this is not current culture. Current culture teaches us you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to go after yourself. But Jesus teaches something higher and deeply profound, and that is you come follow me, and then you do what I do. You give yourself away. And in doing that, you will find the great blessing. And that is the red-letter words for this weekend. And you probably saw them on the magnet that was handed to you on the way in. Jesus is quoted in the book of Acts as saying, it is more blessed to what? All right, let's try it again, see if we can get five people this time to respond. It is more blessed to? To give than to receive. In fact, let's just read this out loud together. Would you join me in this? It is more blessed to give than to receive. You are more blessed, Jesus says, not when you get stuff, not when stuff comes your way. You are more blessed when you open your life up, you come follow me and do what I do, which is help people. That's when you are blessed. And I think it's as if he's saying, even in this, Don't you forget in all you're getting and all you're acquiring and all the next possessions you're going to go after and the next vacation and the next experience that you want to get, in the midst of all those things, don't you ever forget that you're never in a better place than when you are in the place of giving yourself away because it is more blessed to It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessing in your life. More. More. And so many of us, we're so focused on the receiving part, we've lost sight of what it really means, what he's calling us to, and that is to help people. Now, being where he wants us to be, in the center of his will, which is helping people, giving ourselves away on a regular basis, understand the implication is not that it's always easy or fun. In fact, it is actually not. Sometimes it's painful, but for those of us who have eyes to see beyond the moment, When we see the bigger picture, we see that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. When you give, you are blessed. As Jesus said, you're actually more blessed. You're more blessed. So I hope you can hear me on this because, honestly, there's a lot of things I don't know in this life. And and in my years, I've learned a few things, but there's many things I haven't. But if I've learned anything, it is this, that getting more stuff does not equal more joy. Okay, you missed, that, that was like really good right there, all right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. Getting more stuff does not equal more joy. It doesn't. It, 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 it just doesn't work that way. And you can get a temporary buzz when you get some more stuff. You get some new toy and it's fun. Let's just be honest. Let's not deny that. But it doesn't bring you joy. 
It doesn't bring you a sense of being fulfilled in the place where you are called to be, where you are meant to be. It doesn't do that. But when you live to give yourself away, something happens over time. There comes an irrepressible joy that even in the painful or the difficult circumstances, even when sometimes you go, oh, it's so hard. There's something in you that keeps bubbling up. So this weekend's going to be incredibly simple, really. This is actually a self-help talk, which sounds ironic considering I'm saying we're called to give ourselves away. But if you understand the big picture, you understand that the more you give yourself away, the healthier you are. Because it is more blessed to to give than to receive. And so this really is totally a self-help talk. And I'll tell you, Christ's words often don't make sense in the moment. Sometimes you're like, you're telling me I'm supposed to give my... But this was thematic for Jesus. He not only lived this, but he talked, about, he talked about how this should be how we live. That we live our lives looking for opportunities to serve, to give ourselves away. And that it would not always be easy, but it was right. Not only for this life, but in the life to come. You know, at one point, Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 gives this kind of long picture of the day of judgment, when he, when he brings people before him. In fact, we'll just jump there and look. I'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. But, but Jesus, speaking of himself, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he's going to sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king, he's again referring to himself, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance in the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was, I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous, those Jesus calls the sheep, the They'll answer him and say, Lord, when, would, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, say it with me, you did it for me. You did for me. Jesus says, not just in this life, but this impacts the life to come. This is your high calling. I don't think you can get it any clearer than this. You are to give yourself away. And when you do, you are in the right place. Now, I don't know how you feel. Every time I read that, and I've read it, I have no idea how many times, but every time I read it, I do feel, if I were to be perfectly honest, I do feel a bit overwhelmed by it. It's like, how can I feed all the hungry and give everybody thirsty? And I can't do all that. And I feel like I can't make it. How can I do anything? I want you to notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, hey, way to go, sheep. You wrecked your life. You destroyed yourself, giving yourself away. You wrecked your family. They all hated you, but everybody else thought you were great. He didn't say any of that. He's not saying that you don't take care of yourself. And he's not implying that you do this every second, every hour, every time, every day. He's saying that... His sheep, those who follow him, their lives will be marked by giving themselves away. So let me just stop a second here and just, this won't be a comfortable question. This one makes me uncomfortable. And I have to tell you, I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching myself and I feel convicted deeply by this one. But I just want to ask this question. You You just think about it for yourself. Is your life marked 
by you giving yourself away on a consistent basis? Is your life marked by you giving yourself away on a consistent basis? Or would other people say, I think their life is more marked by the acquiring of stuff and pleasure and personal fulfillment? I just think it's a great question to ask ourselves. Everybody's looking at me like, shut up and leave me alone. All that. I, I, I get that. It makes me uncomfortable. I just want you to think about, is your life marked by you giving yourself away? Can I just... This, this is... So this is like uh, countercultural today, but I just want to share this thought with you, all right? Your high calling, your high calling is not what you do to get a paycheck. Now that is so contrary to what most people believe today, but your high calling is not your job. Your high calling is giving yourself away into the lives of people around you, into the world that you live in. It is not your job. Now today, see this is where I think many of us have such a struggle in this one because today everybody's telling us you should feel fulfilled in your job. You should have a job that makes you get up in the morning every morning and you just want, you can't wait to get to work. And everybody thinks that that's the kind of job they should have and until they get that job because a lot of you don't have that job and you think you're just spinning your wheels until you get there. First of all, let me just tell you, as someone who actually loves their job, you do not, it don't matter who you are or what job, you don't get up every morning and go, I can't wait. Some mornings you wake up in the best jobs in the world and go, I want to go anywhere but to work. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love my job, but you have mornings where you just go, I don't want to be here. I do not want to do this. I don't like this job. I want to go back to being whatever you were before, whatever. This is a reality of jobs. But here's the thing you need to understand. Your job is not your high calling. Your high calling is to serve others. And you can do that anywhere and in any job. It's not going over well, but I'm going to keep pushing on this one, all right? Because I know some of you, somebody came up to me after the last service I did, and they're like, oh, I hate my job, and you made me feel horrible. Thank you. I was like, anytime I can help like that. I'm glad to do that. But I know that. I know that. I know that some of you, you absolutely hate your job. Listen to me. You can do your high calling in whatever job you are currently in to make a living. You can do it cleaning sewers. You can do it in the back of a restaurant cleaning dishes. You can do it if you're a brain surgeon getting all kinds of publicity or you're a newscaster for, for TV. It doesn't matter what your job is. You can do your high calling at your job, but your high calling is not your job. It's good preaching right here. I, I hate to say it. You can do your high calling at your job, but your job is not your high calling. And I think sometimes we need to get this, because this is what we're doing. We're living in limbo. We're just going, until I can get the job I've dreamed of, I'm just here in this spinning my wheels, miserable state, and I can't really live. You will never live if you can't live in the job you're in right now. That's not going over very good either, but I just, I do think it's something we need to hear. See, it's never about your job. L- listen, this is my opinion. I know some of you disagree with me. And I, that's fine. It's never about your job. It's about you. It's about what you bring to whatever job you have. And I pray you get a job that you like better. I know some of you are like, I just, I want that. Great, get another job. But it's not your high calling. All right, all right. 
I've, I've meddled on that. Let me, let me give you some simple thoughts on living to give, just, just to provoke our thinking. Since I've already ticked a bunch of you off, let me just keep going a little bit, all right? And, and uh, this real simple stuff. Here's the first one. When, when it comes to giving, you need to understand that giving that demands a return, it, it, it isn't really giving. It's not true giving. Giving that demands a return. Look, look, look I, I believe in, in bartering, but giving that demands a return is not giving. It's reciprocal. It's reciprocity. It's reciprocation. It's, it's like, I give you this, and then I expect that you will give me something in return. That is not giving. That is trade. That's free market trade. That's whatever you want to call it. And all that's good, I'm all for it. But it's not giving. And there is a huge difference, because when you go into giving with the mindset that I'm going to give, but I expect that I will get this particular return, even if it's just, they better thank me, they better act appreciative, they better be nicer to me, they better know that they, no, 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 that is not giving, now you've moved into bartering. And you just need to be clear on that. Again, you want to barter with somebody, that's great. You know, I'll trade you my lawnmower for your snowblower or whatever it is. Oh, that's all fine. But don't go saying, I just want to do this thing for you. I want to give this to you and then tag it with an expectation that they better respond in a certain way. That is not giving. That is reciprocity. That is reciprocation that really is not about true giving to each other. In fact, Jesus saw so much of this in people that he came down at one point pretty hard on it. Let's take a look at the scripture. Jesus actually says, he says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. And here's why they do that. To be what? To be honored by others. He said, truly, I tell you, they've received the reward. He says, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that your giving may be in secret and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What Jesus is saying here is, when the hypocrites gave, it was always done with an eye on the return. It was done with that, I will get honored if I let people know. It's like when people are talking to you and they're going, yeah, we gave a rather, we're, we're part of the charter, we're a charter member of the, you know, whatever nonprofit organization. And they're letting you know that they gave this big gift. They're being kind of, obvious about it. Really what they're doing is, Jesus says, they're blowing a trumpet. They're kind of letting everybody know, look at me. And their eye is on the return. They're trying to maximize the return. Jesus says, when you truly give, your eye is on trying to maximize the gift, not the return. And so then you leave the return business up to God. And it's there. And we'll talk about that in a second. But you don't give with the idea of getting a return. And I'm telling you, this is so powerful because if you and I can remember this, when we give, it really helps us to give rightly. Because sometimes when you give, and you give in a good spirit, and you give lovingly, sometimes people don't even appreciate it. Anybody notice that one? Sometimes do they not only appreciate it, they can actually treat you bad. You do something nice as a gift for someone, and they treat you bad. Well, anybody that's a parent knows that's true. I mean, you do something good for your kid, and they not only don't appreciate what you've done, but they treat you like crap because you did it. Because, oh, you're you're messing with my life. And you sacrificed for them, and you gave them lovingly, and then they treat you that way. This this is life. So my brother Dave, um, he lives in Colorado, and since he's retired... He's been a part of search and rescue in the particular county that he lives in. And they do a lot of training, huge amount of training for ice climbing and mountain climbing to rescue people who are in climbing accidents and that type of thing. But part of what they do is also when in their county there's a call out for like a child lost or somebody's lost, they call on them. These are all guys 
and gals who volunteer. All these people are volunteers. They give their time, and, and you know, they have apps on their phone. And you know, I've been with my brother when the thing goes off, and he checks it. He's even up here visiting, and he's looking at it, and, and it's calling out for some emergency, something. Well, he was telling me on the phone recently that um, this isn't all that long ago, that they got a call, and there was like a woman that was like in her 90s, and she had, uh, uh, they, they, I think they thought that she had some dementia, and she had apparently just wandered away from her home, and she, she was, they couldn't find her, and the family's justifiably scared to death. You know, where's, where's mom at? What's going on? We can't find her. And so they called out the troops, and they, you know, I don't know if it was a sheriff or however it works out there, but, you know, law enforcement got involved, and they called out the search and rescue people, and so there's a large group, and they're looking for this woman. <laughs> and they look, and they look, and they look, and then they find her. I don't know how far she she was away from her home, but she'd found like a low place where there was a culvert under a road, crawled down there, and went to sleep. And when they woke her <laughs> to see if she was all right, she was not appreciative of them waking her up. She actually said, leave me alone. I'm just trying to take a nap. Go away. <laughs> well, you know, they check her out. Turns out she's okay. So they call the family, but she's not happy at all. And they call the family, and the family comes, and they're, they're so thankful, you know, you found her, thank you, thank you, thank you. But they get her in the car. As they're driving away, my brother says, you know, here's all these search and rescue workers. They're all standing around in their outfits and everything, you know, and, and uh, they're, they're watching as the car drives away. And this gal, this 90-something-year-old gal, she's, as she's in the car, she just turns and looks at him as they're driving away and flips him off. <laughs> it was the best thing in the world. <laughs> He said they were laughing so hard. And so I actually, I texted him just recently and said, this is what I, I have written up. Is this, I, I wanted to make sure I had permission and then I wanted to make sure it was accurate. He said, yeah, the only thing is she used both hands to flip them off. It was awesome. Sometimes you don't get thanked, you get flipped. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you served, you did something, you gave of yourself, but what you got in the end was you did not get appreciation. You got flipped off, something bad happened. See, that, that's, that's the thing. Because just because you give doesn't mean it's always going to feel good or it's always going to have in some kind of return that feels right on it. It's like we got this Detroit mission trip coming up, which I'm so excited about. It's going to happen in August. If you haven't signed up yet, you've got to do it pretty quickly because we're, we're going to close this thing off pretty soon. But so powerful. It's going to be such a great experience. But here's the thing about this. If you go thinking, well, I'll go, but it better be fun, then don't bother. I'm serious. I, I literally, I'm serious, because you know when people are working together and sweating together, sometimes people get cranky. Come on, is that true? Sometimes they get ornery. Sometimes people are unappreciative. Sometimes it if you go with the idea that you're going to give, and it's just going to be this, oh, I just, I loved every second of it, then you're taking the wrong medications. You need to change that. And you need to understand that it isn't always like that. You don't give with the return in mind. All right, second thought. I want to just jump through these very quickly. Giving should not be an emotionally driven act. Now, let me explain what I mean by this. I understand that often we are inspired emotionally to give. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. And along the way, often, we feel renewed inspiration to give ourselves away to serve. I think that's a beautiful thing. But what I will tell you, and this really goes back to my first point, is, is that inspiration is like emotion in a way. And it comes and goes. It ebbs and flows. And so it's not going to be there all the time. And if you are inspired to do something and you think that's going to drive your giving long distance, it simply will not because somebody's going to flip you off and you won't feel inspired anymore. 
Are you with me? So see, this is where people like, people sometimes will go, they'll say, well, (laughs) you know, the reason I like to give is because it makes me feel so good. But it ain't always going to make you feel good. And that's okay. It it actually, it, it doesn't have to. See, giving in the end, I mean, you, you just have to think about this. Giving, really what that's about, when you give yourself away, whether it's you give your time, your energy, whatever it is, giving in the end, it's about being sacrificial. You're sacrificing something. So you should expect that when I give, it's, I'm not always going to feel inspired. Sometimes I'm giving because it's the right thing to do, and I'm doing it, but I feel no inspiration, and it's sacrificial. But you do it. And that is actually the kind of giving that Jesus commends. You know, there's one point where Jesus is in the temple. He's got his disciples with him, and he's watching people give their money. Like when we would do an offering, he's watching them as they put their money into the temple treasury. And he sees people who are wealthy putting in large amounts of money, and it looks impressive. And then he sees a widow woman put in two small copper coins. And he turns to his disciples and makes a comment which I think is so powerful. Jesus calls his disciples to him, and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow... She's put more into the treasury than all the others. Now, you just stop and think about that. They put in large sums of money. And he's saying, all together, add it up, she's put in more. And I'm sure they're like, what are you, Jesus, what are you talking about? And then he explains. He says, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. In other words, Jesus said, this woman gave sacrificially. So, so important to understand that. What he commended was sacrificial giving. Now, I'm just going to say something, and this is not going to go over well either, but I, you know, I, I'm so far over my head now, I might as well just finish up this way. In an affluent culture like we live in, the temptation is for us to write a checkout for money that we won't really miss. It won't really be sacrificial to us to cover what our heart tells us we should be doing with our lives. The temptation in an affluent culture is to write out a check that we won't really miss to cover what our heart tells us we should be giving of ourselves. Now, every organization will tell you that you need people to give to it. TVC will tell you the same thing. You can't pay your bills just on good wishes. But sometimes I think we have to remember that we should not only write the check or make the deposit or however you do it, but we should give of ourselves in our time, in our energy. You just think about that. I, I know some of you are giving me dirty looks right now. That's fine. Let me just finish with the last thought. Giving always brings a blessing, and, and I've been saying that. And, 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 and really, the bottom line is, is that what I want you to understand is that when you choose to live the way Jesus called you, and this is what Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, if that's true, then giving always, always, always brings a blessing. But it may not appear that way when you give. And it may not appear that way for a while. And it may not appear that way for a long time because here's what I've observed. Just because I give this thing doesn't mean I'm going to get that thing back. It doesn't mean I'm going to get what I anticipated I would get, like appreciation or thanks or whatever. What I've learned is that I always, when I give, find more God 
Because God resides in the place of giving. And so giving always brings blessing. You just can't outgive God because God always blesses us when we give. Amen? Amen? Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I just want to challenge you. The sermon's done, all right? So just, I'm, I'm done. Just stay connected on these. We're doing these red letter days, the, these scriptures through the, through the this summer season. I challenge you, keep coming to church and engage in one of these things. It's in the handout you received on the way in. There's so many opportunities. You can do it through the Uversion Bible app. You can do it. We actually have a paper Bible. Just read through the Gospels. You know, I'm doing it. And, and, and if you're doing it electronically, share it with your life group. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. But if you're, if you're do, you know, doing electronic, share it with your husband or your wife or with your kids or whatever. And read together and share and see what God does. See what he says. And then, you know, the other thing I will tell you is, is that we're also just offering these texts. And if you would like to get them, it's not too late. You can sign up. You just text to the number 77948 and, and text the words red letters together. So it's just red letters and you do that, and we'll send you just two times a week, and we only do this during this series, we will send you a couple red-letter quotes from Jesus during the week. That's all we do. It's not, it's not like we're you know, soliciting money or anything like that. That's just to help you. I got one just yesterday, and I was just, when I was looking at it, and I, hundreds have already signed up, but I was looking at it just going, yeah. It was just a reminder to me, because the words of Jesus are full of the Spirit, and they're full of life. Of course, the first thing you have to do is you have to open your heart up and say, I give my heart to Christ. And if you've not done that, you can do that today. It's as simple as just saying, I ask you to come in and take charge of my life. And I'm going to pray right now. And if you you would like to do that or you need to recommit your life to Christ, you can do that right now. Let's just bow our heads and we'll pray. God, in this time, we just open our hearts up in front of you. For those of us who are saying, I need him at work in my life. Now, now, now. Those of you who are saying that, this is all you got to do. Just say, Jesus, I believe, and I ask you to come in and take charge of my life. Just tell him that. I believe. I ask you to come in and take charge of my life. I give you my heart. Just pray that. I give you my heart. And if you're serious, tell him, I am serious. I'm going to follow you as best I know how. I know I won't get it right every time, but I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm coming after you. And if you pray that simple prayer, that is the first step in many steps that will be wonderful, but you become a part of the family of God. And if you recommitted your life for all those, God, who prayed and recommitted, or maybe they prayed and asked you into their heart for the first time, we pray your blessing, your hand, your love on them in ways that they've never experienced before. And may they grow that relationship. Bless them, bless them. And all of us say, for all those who made decisions for Christ, yay, God, we love you, God. We're grateful for what you do. Yeah.